Good morning, everyone. 2 Timothy 3, verses 1 to 9. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. Avoid such people, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions, always learning and never able to to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Just as Janus and Jambres opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of those two men. This is the word of God. Thank you very much, Fiona. Uh, let us pray as we do consider God's word together. Let's pray. Our dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning. We want to thank you for who you are. We want to thank you for your goodness. We want to thank you for your kindness. And we want to thank you uh, for Jesus who came into our lives, that whilst we were still sinners, Christ died for us, so that in him we may have life and life in its fullness. And Lord, I want to pray particularly as we consider your word this morning, that Lord Jesus, you may uh, stand supreme in all this whole process of communicating uh, your word to your people. Lord, I pray uh, for clarity of speech. I pray for clarity of mind. I pray uh, that you may open up uh, uh, the minds and the hearts of of our hearers, Lord, this morning, Lord, that they might be receptive to your word. And Father, would you be with us as we consider your word. For Christ's sake, I do pray. Amen. All right. This morning, uh, our talk is coming from Second Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 to 9, as we have just had Fiona reading God's word to us. Just a bit of background information as we get into this passage. Now, the book of Second Timothy uh, is one of the books that Paul wrote when he was about uh, to die, when he was about to be promoted to glory. So it's one of his last letters, uh, as it were. And now, as Paul is writing one of uh, his last letters, you can actually see that uh, it's full of of passion and conviction uh, in terms of what Paul believed. And it is also very personal because this letter is actually written to one of his uh, colleagues uh, in Christ, uh, one of his, of his co-workers in Christ, uh, who was Timoth. And uh, you can actually uh, see that uh, there is a lot of personal feel, a, lit, a lot of personal touch as you read uh, the letter. So like I said, Paul is old and is languishing probably in some dark, chilly prison in Rome uh, from which uh, there has to be no escape but death. So death for Paul is inevitable. 
In fact, he thinks he would die soon. Listen to his words in, verse, in chapter 4, verses 6 to 8. I'm already poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. And there await me is the crown of righteousness, uh, with which, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me and all those who are awaiting for his glorious appearing. So it's quite clear in Paul's mind that his time on earth is up. He has actually reached his, the twilight of both his life and his ministry. And he's concerned as to what will happen uh, to the gospel after his departure. So what does he do? He writes this solemn charge to one of his uh, colleagues, to one of his uh, sort of the guy that he mentored, as it were, who is Timothy. Uh, so when you look at Second Timothy, it's more of a personal charge being given to this minister called Timothy. That's what we see, and it's given uh, by Paul, as I said, who is about to be promoted to glory. And if you would want to summarize what Paul is saying in Second Timothy, you can actually summarize it in four phrases. In chapter 1, Paul is saying to, to Timothy, guard the gospel. In chapter 2, Paul is saying to Timothy, suffer for the gospel. And in chapter 3, Paul is saying, continue in the gospel. And in the last chapter, chapter 4, Paul is saying, preach the gospel. So in Paul's mind, the gospel is a precious peel that has to be jealously guarded and faithfully preached. It is so precious that the adherents or the followers of this gospel must be prepared to suffer for it as they continue in it. So that's what we see in 2 Timothy. It's Paul giving this solemn charge to Timothy. And the passage that is before us falls within the third part of Paul's charge, whereby he's urging Timothy to continue in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, as Paul is urging Timothy to continue in the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to see what he's doing in the first half of chapter 3. What Paul is doing there, he's giving some kind of a spiritual diagnosis. He's actually opening up what life will look like in the end times, in the last days. How will life look like in the last days, says Paul? And in a moment, we are going to consider that. How will life look like in the last days? And as we look at how life looks like in the last days, Paul underlines or stresses three things. He points out three things. The first thing that he points out, we find it in verse 1 of chapter 3. The last days will be very difficult. They will be stressful times. There will be moments of stress. There will be times of difficulty. 
Life won't be easy in the last days. We find it in verse 1 there. What else do we see in the last days? Secondly, people will be lovers of self. Verse 2 to 5. There will be self-love, self-centeredness. And thirdly, what else is characteristic of the end times, of the last days? There shall be an emergence of false teachers. There shall be people who will be teaching things that are not biblical. So in the event that you may miss everything that I'll be saying, I think it would be good to at least remember those things, that the last times will be characterized by times of difficulty, that the last times will actually be characterized by people who first and foremost love themselves. That in the last days, there will be false teachers. Now, let's have a closer look at this passage that is before us. Paul introduces this chapter with an, with an emphatic command to Timothy to understand that stressful or difficult times are at hand. Now, you would wonder, why would Paul really emphasize the fact that and the times are here, are at hand. Why would we tell Timoth that? Because Timoth would have known that they are already in the last times, that they are already in the end times. People, uh, Timoth, Timoth would have already known that. Because where is Paul as he's writing? Paul is actually in prison. He's chained because of the gospel. So already that fierce opposition against those who are faithful to the gospel has already started. The end times, the last days, the eschaton has already started. So there's no reason, is it, way, from, I mean, from, from if, if you would think about it, there's no reason why Paul would tell Timoth that the last days are at hand. Timoth knows it. So why is Paul commanding Timothy to understand what he already knows? I think it is precisely because that the opposition to the truth that Paul is talking about here is a situation that will be there for a while. It's a permanent situation. So Paul wants, to, wants Timothy to know that this situation is not something that is passing on. It's something that is going to stay up until Jesus comes. I guess Paul feared that Timothy will be over-optimistic in hoping that if he lies low for a while, the storm will pass. Paul says, hang on, Timothy. The storm is here to stay. He wants Timothy to have a full scope 
of the perils and troubles of the last days. And, and, and which days are, are the last days? When did they start? In verse, in verse 4 there, verse 5 rather, we are told, uh, in fact, Timoth is told to avoid such people, the kind of people that would have been described in verses uh, 2 to 4 there. And Paul says, avoid such people. And that gives us a clue that the, the last days had already started. They were already in the last days. So what are these last days? The last days basically are the, is the period between the first coming of Jesus Christ and the second coming of Jesus Christ. So Paul and Timothy lived in the last days. We are living in the last days. Those who come after us will live in the last days up until Jesus Christ comes. So the last day that Paul is talking about here is referring to the interim period, the period between the first coming of Jesus and the second coming of Jesus. And in chapter 3, verse 1 there, like I've mentioned earlier on, Paul stresses that the last days will be stressful times. There will be time of trouble. There will be stressful situations. And the word used here for difficulty or for stressful times is the word that the Greeks used for dangerous animals and, rage, and the raging sea. So the picture is not pretty. It's, it's really a difficult time that the church lives in. And why? What makes this, this time difficult? What makes this time difficult? Two reasons that Paul gives. Verse two, verse two. For people will be lovers of self. The times will be tough. The times will be difficult. And they are difficult because people will be lovers of self. And secondly, because of false teachers, like I've highlighted earlier on. Let's look at uh, that whole aspect of self-lovers. People who love themselves. People who are self-centered. People who worship none other than themselves. That's one key characteristic of the last days. I think as I'm preaching and talking about uh, people who are self-centered, people who love themselves, I hope my kids and my wife are not saying it sounds like you. 
So as we live in these last days, there shall be people who are self-centered, people who love themselves more than anything else. Listen to what Calvin the Reformer says as he comments about lovers of self. Readers should note that lovers of themselves, which comes first, can be regarded as the source from which all the others that follow spring. There is a whole chain of evil traits, of evil things that Paul narrates in this passage. But Calvin is saying, all those spring from a self-centered heart. They all spring from love of the self. And listen to what uh, uh, this English theologian say, Buckley. Love of self is the basic sin from which all others flow. The moment a man, a man makes his own will the center of life, divine and human relationships are destroyed. Obedience to God and charity to man both become impossible. The essence of Christianity is not the enthronement, but the obliteration of self. So we are living in a time whereby there is actually the enthronement of the self. I want you to notice with me the key phrases that Paul is using in this passage. The first phrase we have already noticed, uh, picked it up uh, in verse 2 there. People will be lovers of self. And the second one, they will be lovers of pleasure. The third one, they will not be lovers of God. So we see right from the onset, as Paul described the human condition in the last days, that man has dethroned God and, and has enthroned himself as king. Man has now become worshippers of the self rather than worshippers of God. And that makes the last times very difficult because the focus is no longer on God, as it were. The focus is on self. What is fundamentally wrong with the people that Paul is talking to, is talking about, is that their love is misdirected. It is directed towards self rather than God. Instead of being first and foremost lovers of God, they are lovers of self, lovers of money, lovers of pleasure. Instead of loving God with all their hearts, with all their souls, with all their strength, with all their mind, what are they doing? They are loving the self with all their heart, all their soul, all their strength, and all their mind. 
So the focus in the last days will not be on God. It will be on the self. And of course, like I have highlighted earlier on, people will be lovers of money. Of course, if you love yourself, if the focus is on yourself, you have to focus on the tools, on those things that makes love of self flourish. And money is one such thing. I think we all agree, money is not the answer of everything. Hallelujah. Money is not the answer of everything. But we have to be honest, it answers a lot of things. So as you can imagine, people who are so focused, they will love money. Since self-love is self-dominant, the love of money naturally flows. By pursuing money, we cater for our desires. I know some of you didn't go for holidays, not because you thought it was really a good thing for you to be in Jobek at this time of the year. No, it's because... It's because it wasn't there. <laughs> so by pursuing money, we cater for our desires. People who put self first will inevitably love money, for money is a powerful tool towards saving their own interests. So it's no shock that these people whose focus is on themselves, they love money. And of course... You don't just love money for the sake of money. You love money for the sake of what it does. And what do you see again? People will be lovers of pleasure. Lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, as we can see in verse 4 there. Because they love pleasure instead of God, churches will be full of entertainment instead of true worship. Having you seen churches whereby it's more of entertainment, more than worship. The focus is on the self. The focus is on pleasure. So whatever context that they find themselves in, it has to be pleasurable. So church services will be about pleasing people, not God, because the focus is on people, not on God. The focus is on self, not on God. People plan worship primarily with the thoughts of getting and keeping people and their money instead of doing it in such a way that people will be saved and edified. So where they self-love, people will love money. People will love pleasure. And they will convert everything to reflect that. And our churches are not exempt from this. So we need to be very careful that we don't convert our churches into entertainment centers rather than worship centers. What else is Paul saying here? So the focus will be on the self. People who love themselves 
more than they do love God. In fact, they will, they will dethrone God and enthrone themselves as king. And what follows after that? What comes after that is not a pretty picture. It's actually a very bad picture, as we have seen. People pursue love, uh, love of money. People pursue pleasure, but they don't end there. What do we see uh, in verse 4? In verse 4, we are told there, I'm just picking uh, these evils or these things that are mentioned here, uh, not according to order of importance or whatever. Uh, I'm just picking a few of them just to stress uh, how the end times will look like. And the one that I want to focus on right now is the one that we see in verse uh, 4. Verse 3, rather. People will be heartless. They will be unpeaceable. They will be irreconcilable, other versions say, like the NIV. And what, what is Paul meaning by this? that uh, people will be unpeaceable. This describes a situation whereby people are so much involved that they are not even willing to come to the conference table to negotiate. Have you ever experienced that? Whereby people are so hostile to one another that they can't even sit down and, and negotiate and discuss. You see that in the last days. In the last days, in verse 3 there, people will be slanderous. The church will be full of gossip and backbiting. But not our church, of course. I mean, those other churches. <laughs> when self is on the throne, it naturally leads to pulling down is one seeks to exalt the self. That's what it is. There will be gossip, back, backbiting, because people would have dethroned God and enthroned themselves. What else does Paul say there? Men will be without self-control. There will be gross indiscipline in the last days. First three there. People who overdo things, be it entertainment, be it food, be it alcohol, be it drugs, be it sex, people who overdo it. People who lack discipline, they will become controlled by their delights and passions. Listen to this. It's not me who wrote this. I just saw it somewhere. So please, don't, don't shoot the messenger. <laughs> Listen to this quote. Men just don't understand that shopping is our drug of choice. 
walking through the doors of the Mall of Africa is like walking through the gates of heaven. God made car trunks for women to hide their shopping bags. There will be no self-control. Have you ever thought the amount of money that people <laughs> do spend buying the things that they won't use? When the self is in control, when the self is in charge, people can do all sorts of things. Ladies, if you really want to know that these men who are here, especially these ones that uh, pretty much appear as if they are innocent that are staring at me right now, if you really wanted to know that these men here have uncontrollable passions, get in their way when they are watching their game of choice. Just observe them when they are watching Charles playing Manchester United. Even when Manchester United, we all know for now that they are more than a bunch of Don't get in the dare you not, don't get in their way. People who have uncontrollable passions, they will lack self-control. What else do we see when the self is in charge? Verse 3 the people will be heartless. There will be lack of family affection. Have you ever heard of shameful stories about believers neglecting their spouses, their children, their aging parents? Have you ever heard of such stories? In the last days, people will be heartless. The focus will be on the self. It won't be on the family. It won't be on anyone else. The focus will be on the self. For those who find it strange, for those who find it difficult to love their families, listen to what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Timothy chapter 5. Verse 8. But if anyone does not provide for his relatives, and especially for members of his house, household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. Friends, we are living in a time and an age whereby virtues of freedom, independence, having my own space are the talk of the moment. And in that kind of a context, the temptation is so huge to be always inward looking and not be concerned about the people 
around ourselves. People will be heartless. Verse 3 there, people will be brutal. People will be like wild animals seeking to tear one another apart in order to gain or protect their desires. Isn't that what we see day in, day out in our societies? Very brutal to one another. People will be treacherous. They won't keep their promises. The only commitment that they will keep is their pursuit of happiness. That's what will happen in the end times, in the last days. Verse 4 there, what else will happen in the end times? People will be reckless. People will do whatever they want without consideration of others. All that matters is self and self-expression and self-gratification. They will say things like, I just had to be true to myself, as if that justified the number of evils that they do. That's what will happen in the last days. And like I've said, we are already living in the last days. That is what is happening in our age. That is what is happening in our time, in, our, in, our, in, our, in this period where, where we happen to be living. And as if it's not enough, look with me in verse 5. What will happen in the last days? Verse 5 there, they will have the appearance of godliness but denying its power. There will be a form without power to change lives. This is the kind of Christianity that is common in our time. People are claiming to be Christians but they are denying it by their lifestyle. <laughs> Listen to what Philip say. They will maintain a facade of religion, but their conduct will deny its validity. They will put up a face. They will put up a makeup. You know, one of the good things about marriage is that you, got to re you get to really know your partner. It's unlike when you are dating. You know, when you are dating, you always find uh, your spouse or whatever it, uh, it is called, your partner, okay, your partner, you always find your partner ready for you. So you can hardly find them before they make their makeup. But some of us who are married, uh, we do have the privilege and honor <laughs> to know them for who they are. And 
Paul is saying in the last days, people put a face of religion, a makeup of religion. That's what will happen. You know, just thinking of makeup and talking of makeup, I don't know how God has created our sisters in, in Christ. They learn it at an early stage. Right now, I'm fighting with my four-year daughter. She already wants a full makeup kit. <laughs> and I do have three daughters, four including the mother. <laughs> so pray for me, church. So we need to watch out. As we live in the last days, people put up a face of religion when in actual sense they are not Christians at all. What does Jesus say in Matthew? In the last days, people will say, Lord, Lord. But I'll say, I don't know you. So the last days are characterized by hypocrites. People who are not genuine, people who profess to know God but deny him by their works, as Titus uh, uh, said uh, in Titus chapter 1, verse 16. Poor rather. So hypocrisy has become a common feature of our age, even in the church. But Paul is saying, even in that space, you, Timothy, you are called to be a genuine Christian. You have to continue in the gospel. And that's what we are also called to do. And lastly, so we have discovered that in the last days, there will be stressful times, there will be difficult times. And we have discovered that in the last days, people will be lovers of self. And lastly, in the last days, there will be an emergence of the birth, as it were, of false teachers. They will mushroom. They will come up. And that's verses 6 to 9. And I want you to see what these false teachers will do. The characteristics of these false teachers Characteristic number one that we see of these false teachers. Verse six, for among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions. So these people, these false teachers, these heretics, they are deceptive. They will creep or worm their way, or insinuate into homes of weak women. And you know, do we have a shortage of them? We don't. They are all over. And in most cases, they are great communicators. They are orators. When they are talk- in fact, right now as I'm talking, they are preparing for their great messages are called crossover as you get into 2020. And you listen to them. Wow. 
They are not like us who can hardly make a single sentence right. They are great communicators. So watch out that they may actually deceive you by their eloquence. They do have deceptive influence. And secondly, they seek to gain control over people. They capture or gain control over gullible people, over people who are actually vulnerable. In other words, they capitalize on people's weaknesses. So for instance, in this passage, the women that are spoken of here, they were morally weak and they were intellectually weak. And these false teachers, they capitalized on that. And it's true of them today. False teachers prey on people's problems, promising quick solutions. Notice that they target women who are overwhelmed by sins and led along by various passions. These false teachers pray for people's vulnerabilities, promising healing, restoration of their family, uh, financial breakthroughs, marital breakthroughs. You go there. You're like, all is well. Because all that they promise are the kind of things that you, you would want or that you would love. So be careful of these false teachers. They make huge promises to people. Have you ever thought, why don't these false teachers go to Bill Gates and say, you'll be rich, man? They won't because they know that he's not vulnerable in that area. Why they come to poor me? And they are like, man, should I prophesy? 2020 is your year. By this time next year, they capitalize on people's vulnerabilities, these false teachers. Watch out of them. And I guess you guys at times, you do blame us as Christ Church Midrand, especially as the preachers, of not promising you, of not giving you a message as we get into the new year. A message of hope as we get into the new year. And do you want one? Do you? <laughs> I, the boss is not around. I can give you. Do you? Here is my message as we are getting into the new year, as we are crossing over into the new year. Continue in the gospel. Continue in the gospel. What will help us cope in these end times is when we are rooted in Christ is when we are rooted in the gospel. 
If Timothy is to cope in these end times, there is one thing that he has to do. We'll see it next week in verse 14. He has to continue in Christ. He has to continue in the gospel. Fierce opposition to the truth, fierce opposition to the gospel is before us. But friends, the only appropriate response is for you and me to continue in the gospel. There is no any other way. There is no any other way through which we can cope with the end times apart from continuing in the gospel. Because in the gospel, we find the grace and the encouragement to continue. Shall we pray? Lord, as we come before you this morning, we want to thank you for Jesus. We want to thank you for your word that is always there to teach us, to rebuke us, to exhort us. And Lord, we thank you for your word this morning through the words of the Apostle Paul, who is reminding us together with his colleague Timothy that we are living in the last days. These last days are not pretty for Christians. These last days are not good for Christians. They are characterized by stressful moments. They are characterized by self-love. They are characterized by false teachers. And Lord, would you help us to cope in these difficult times? Would you help us to stand firm? Would you help us to continue in the gospel? Because when all forces are against us, the temptation is so huge for us to give up and give in to whatever is being offered. But we know, Lord, that there is nothing that will help us cope in this era other than continuing in the gospel. So, Lord, help us to continue in the gospel. For Christ's sake, I do pray. Amen.